this idea was kind of born out of Matt and I just having random AI conversations. But some of the stuff that he's built, like, hey, it wasn't intended to be a pet product. It was messing around with some things and a pet and a product came out of the other end. Um, but also, you know, Matt can go on about this at great length. Um, about how everything we built is not about pets, but just about scaling, training, and uh, the entire infrastructure in the cloud at a, a, a yeah. the most reasonably economic way you can do it. Would you say that's around here, Matt? Yeah. So Schematical is, like you said, my consulting company. I help businesses that are getting traction and trying to scale up scale up on AWS. So a lot of times they just try and boot up bigger servers, but you can re-engineer it to, you know, be more cost effective as you scale up. So with that said, I was digging into AI. I wanted to do some experiments with stable diffusion. Uh, I had my YouTube channel where I was, uh, I'd done video game stuff before. So I was going to generate um, game art, uh, you know, pixel art using stable diffusion. And at the same time, I was like, well, how do I host this on Amazon in a cost-effective manner? And there's some really expensive ways to do it, uh, which I didn't like. So I derived a different way that only turns on when people are using the program and shuts off afterwards, which saves me a lot of money and lets me host this. And then from there, Dominic and I, were, I was showing him some of my results and he's like, let's do a pet thing. And from there, it seems people are reaching out to us outside of Drawn by AI to utilize this technology to host their own AI stuff and do their own inferences or generate images uh, on Amazon in a cost-effective manner as well. And I've open sourced most of it. So if your viewers are at all interested in that, uh, Terraform scripts are online. So like for the Drawn by AI, that works only when someone's using it pretty much from what you're saying? Like it's only turned on like on EC2 or like in, Oz, in, in Amazon or how does it work actually? The expensive part. So the so the cheap part, just taking web requests, you know, you sign up for a user account, but you haven't uploaded your pictures or anything like that yet. That stuff's on Lambda and that spins down whenever no one's using it as well. So it's basically $0 there. And then the expensive stuff with the GPUs, that boots up only when we've got work to do. So training a model, generating an inference, and then it shuts back down. Got it. So are you like for drawn by AI is it, are you you're using stable diffusion to produce the images? Yeah, dream booth. Dream. All right. So yes, taking stable diffusion. We're in we're taking there's the base stable diffusion that can be trained with dream booth or other methods to produce these intermediate models. We are using an intermediate model then to train it again on specific dogs to get the artistic output of them. Got it. So the intermediate model has been trained on tens of thousands of pieces of, of art from all over the world. So there's a, there's several trainings involved with the process, but that intermediate one, we get that from um, Hugging Face. It's one of the more common ones that's out there. So can you just tell us a little bit maybe about how you guys met, you said you met in Wisconsin. How did you guys meet? How did you get involved in AI in the first place? So we met years ago, I think it's probably been 12 years now, by a various tech, you know, there was a good tech meetup group uh, in various tech communities in Madison. Then Dominic hired me to work for him once or twice. I hired him to work for me once or twice. And uh, we were actually just kind of fresh off a project together. And yeah, so we, 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 wanted to come up with something. As far as AI goes, I've experimented with, um, on my YouTube channel, a lot of neat uh, neural evolution of augmented topologies. And I wired that into Minecraft and I started doing that somewhere around 2019. 
interesting stuff uh, wasn't really monetizable. <laughs> so uh, then I yeah, then I switched over to stable diffusion. I've uh, done some LLM stuff, just some some fundamental stuff. I'm no AI expert or ML expert. I'll tell you that I'm an expert at hosting stuff online. So what I've done basically is I try and bridge the gap between the people that have models and they're like, hey. I, I know this, we can go to market with this. I've got an AI trained to do this or, you know, PhD. And they're like, but well, how do we make that available to 10,000, a million people? And that's kind of where I come in to bridge that gap there. So you're like the, are you like the sort of like an architect or engineer to say, to show people what the most cost-effective way to host things on like Amazon is for, for the most part? Yeah, my title would be web application architect. Okay. So you've got a lot of, got to have a lot of different overlapping skill sets to make that happen. Yeah. Um, like I said, ML's not my super strong point, but teamed up with the right people, we can do some pretty good stuff. And Schematical is, it's a company, it's a consulting company, but you it, it wasn't started for AI, it sounds like. It was started more for helping people with their architecture, their tech architecture? It started as a product, which I'm almost embarrassed to admit what the product was years ago. Uh, and then it became synonymous with, I, I had to consult because the product didn't take off. And then it just became synonymous with my name online at this point. So uh, in reality, there is a company, Schematical Consulting, but I'm also known as Schematical just online when tagged a lot of times. So. How about you, Dominic? Or Dominic, how, how did you get into AI? I'm a software developer by trade, but I spent the better part of the last 10 plus years on the like the management side of technology. And I really wanted to swing my career back towards tech. So about a year ago, I completed a data science boot camp and the content I thought was um, top notch, actually excellent, excellent content. Um, and that's where Matt and I started talking back and forth about AI ideas and it used to be live jam. So they just kind of, all of our interests kind of just intersected at about the same time and place. Very cool. So just tell me a little bit about this project, Draw AI, right? I mean, we've seen it before. Uh, we looked at it. What is the project? How did you come up with it? Why? Just tell us a little bit about its origin. I was working on retooling my skill set to make sure I could service my machine learning AI based clients. And I, figured there was, you know, something out there we could take a swing at. Uh, and so I was generating, I actually put photos of my dog in and myself, my mother and a handful and train these, um, fine tune them so they would be able to generate our face. So I could say, I want a picture of me on the beach, um, in a, you know, in, in watercolor or something like that. And it could do that. Uh, and it, but the really cool thing is what it did with my dog. It actually did some really amazing, amazing photos there. And I was sharing that with Dominic, and this is where I'll pass the story to him. Yeah, and I said, looked at him like, well, somebody's willing to pay for that. And, <laughs> you know, that was a very rough model at that point. And we had to take it and obviously build the the, the web infrastructure and the, the business model around it. But we looked at doing a lot of different things. You know, should we do people? Should we do dogs? Should we do cats? Should we do... Um, and just, we started with dogs because it seemed to make a lot of sense. Um, people, you, you... First of all, the the the... The attention to detail on a person, the quality you want to get out of a person is a different, um, you're going to look at that far more critically. And we wanted to avoid any sort of people making pictures of people um, that weren't that um, sort of risk. So dogs seemed like a really good place to start out. And it obviously got your attention from a sea of AI things. So uh, it must have you know, looked interesting to you as well. Yeah, it's a pretty cool project. I think the people really love their dogs. Anything that people can do for their dogs. I mean, everything you see is like, 
has a dog version to it. And anything you can do with that, I think, draws the attention of people for sure. There, there's a very large uh, uh, social media audience on Instagram, on TikTok. Uh, absolutely. So was it was it Matt's idea? Matt, was this a? It sounds like this was originally your idea, and then you sort of worked together with Dominic on it, or how does? It... It's tough to claim it as my idea. I mean, my idea was to host stable diffusion in the cloud, and, uh-huh. and basically to make an easy way for people to train models because I hadn't seen other people like other products where people could train their own models. You can use OpenAI to do an image to image translation transition. So you upload one image and say change it, but you couldn't upload like. 50 pictures of your dog, yourself, whatever, and then have it generate completely new artworks. So that was my part of this. And then Dominic was the one that said, let's let's focus in on a project for pets, you know, drawn by.ai. We can reuse that name for any number of things, but for now let's launch with pets. So Dom and Dom has a background and he did launch a pet product at one point previous to this. So I want to give a nod to that. And that's a fun story if you want to. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's a yeah, different story. Please, please tell us about it, Dominic. <laughs> uh, for a couple of months during the, the, the first Donald Trump, the, 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 the election that Donald Trump won, I sold Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton dog poop bags on Amazon. So that you could put, yeah. Whichever, yeah, whichever no, party you uh, backed, you could yeah. buy the opposite one and pick up your dog's yeah. poo with it. If you do nice. a little research, you'll, you'll, you'll find me on Univision, uh, a two-minute spot on Univision in New York when this was going on. Hey, you're kidding to both crowds. This wasn't our first idea. We'd been bouncing ideas. We'd actually been having live-streamed idea jams every couple of weeks for a few months. So it was the process of just you know, bouncing things around to see what really made sense. I will say you brought the focus, that's for sure. So do you have dogs of your own? I got two, and uh, they're a handful. (laughs) Dominic, I think you travel too much for one right now, but you're thinking about getting one soon. I know that. I've had several, and I've got one that should theoretically be arriving sometime in the spring. So give us like an overview. I mean, obviously, I've looked at the tool before, but give the audience an overview. What does it look like when they go on to drawnby.ai? What does it look like? How does it work and what do they need to do? So the first thing you have to do is uh, add a single or more than one picture of your pet. And this is kind of the the uh, the funnel in action, if you will. So you put in one or more pictures of your pet, at which time that you then have to create an account, username, password, things like that. And at that time, we're going to ask you to upload at least 10 pictures of your pet altogether because really to learn the animal from different angles. One or two pictures is not going to give particularly good results. In fact, for best results, you want to upload 15 or 20 high quality pictures of your dog. Um, From that, um, Matt, I think this is where your front end AI takes over. You could talk more about that than I can. We've had problems with people uploading spam images. So I actually wired in YOLO which is the object recognition algorithm to verify it. And if it doesn't find X amount of photos, it'll flag it. So that's kind of fun. And then we, those are all uploaded because uploading is cheap. It's training that's expensive actually. And so those are uploaded. And if they're not flagged, then they go right into the queue. Otherwise uh, one of us will review it and, you know, give them, give a, you know, approve deny based on that. So then we train a model using uh, that, those photos you've got and we, each model is unique. So there's every time you do one of these things, there's about a four gigabyte model that gets saved to the cloud that we then can reuse to generate your photos on the fly. So we 
generate uh we call inferences uh what do we got six or eight of them right now dominic nine forget nine. nine nine so we've got nine so that's your example your your dog as a captain of a ship your dog as a watercolor painting your dog as xyz um and if you're interested in signing up with us uh, you can download the hd version of that or the unwatermarked versions i should say uh and hd version coming soon and uh we can additionally if you if you want to keep you know, with the subscription, we'll keep sending you more of these. So eventually you can get a Halloween version or a, you know, a holiday version of it or, and so you keep getting these fun little pictures. So that's pretty much how it works. So are there choices on the website? Like you want a Halloween picture or you want a pirate picture, or do you say that in a prompt or how does that work? So we, we looked at all of our competitors and they, they did two things very, very differently. Um, one of them was they would make you pay before you could see a single output image whereas we're letting people see the images first. Um, but the other is you would have to choose, you know, they've got 50 different styles, choose 10, choose six, choose eight. Um, creating the images is relatively inexpensive compared to training the model. Once you have the trained model, that's, I'm not gonna say a bulk of the cost, but that's a large percentage of the overall cost. So we decided to give everybody everything and take the decisions out of it. Now, what you see is when you see your dog as an astronaut, um, I mean, you've played with AI enough, I'm sure, whether it's the language models or the image generators, that you can't just say, give me something as simple as that and expect a really deep textured response from it. So that astronaut is about 25 or 30 words to create the astronaut image with an interstellar background and all of these other things. So there's a lot of tools out there that give users the box here type what you want into this box but unless you've really spent time with these prompts to understand how to add the texture and the depth to the prompt to get back a satisfactory or a really nice result you're going to be disappointed in it so going forward i would love to be able to offer the users much more of a a a hand in the creative process but again i can't just give them that box because it's going to underwhelm in the results it doesn't mean there couldn't be a set of descriptors and uh, uh, scenes and uh, props for example i wanted a picture of my dog in front of the eiffel tower wearing a beret and watercolor where you could check those major descriptors that add that and but behind the scenes then the eiffel tower will be um a, a a bird's eye view of the Eiffel Tower in spring with the tree. You know, so there will be that words will be behind the actual button that the user wants to click to add that to an image. A really important part point to point out to the audience out there is like you might go to the to their website and be like, well, I can just do this on Mid Journey. I do I can just use this do this myself on Stable Diffusion. But like I use Mid Journey every single day, and like it sometimes it takes twenty different prompts to get to what you want. So these guys are taking the the pain of that out, out for you like they're thousands, giving you a fine grain final image which is sounds like that's what your differentiator is to to other platforms yeah our, our average user isn't a prompt engineer you know they my mother for example wouldn't even know where to begin with it but she's got photos of dogs she wants to run through it and so that's the beauty part of what drawn by does in the front end there now i will say the underlying engine behind it is perfectly capable of taking in whatever prompts you want. So we have like other people that don't want the other businesses, they wanna build their own stable diffusion product and they want complete autonomy and flexibility to just 
throw in prompts and train their own models without having to worry about any of the fancy stuff of hosting it. And we're actually, we're totally capable of supporting that too. You know, they just make a simple RESTful request and they get whatever they want back. And that's through schematical you're saying in that, in that instance. That, yep. That's it, it's through schematical. It's, it's part of the, it, the technically the underlying engine is called chaos pixel. Cause I'm very bad at naming things. But it's, it's, cool uh, yeah, the, it's kind of in layers is that Schematical is a consulting company that built it, you know, there's drawn by and then underneath it, the engine that's hidden that no one sees is Chaos Pixels. Um, and is this the, are you guys working on all this? It sounds like you have ideas out there. Do you, are you working on any other projects right now other than drawn by AI um, in the AI space or? I'm not looking at anything specific in so far as projects. I'm. I'm pursuing some other things, but no, no, nothing else like this. No. Not. Yeah. I mean, just keep in mind those two layered projects, which we're supporting, supporting both of those and actively working on selling both of those. Um, I don't have any other AI stuff, just my client work. Gotcha. So. so are you, are you planning on sticking? You, you mentioned something about the human aspect of it. Like if you were straying away from the humans, you want to stick to the dogs. Are you planning on sticking with the dogs for now? Or do you see it possibly going to humans at some point? I don't think we'd have a problem with humans. I don't want to speak for Dominic here, but we, we've got to master um, the uh, user acquisition side of yeah. things, if that but, makes sense. Yeah. Well, but, if there's a market for it. <laughs> for, forever is a mighty long time, but it's, it's definitely not on the roadmap. We've had several people ask us about different varieties of animals. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, products in the person space that I've seen appear out there as well. So there's, you know, people that you, take a picture and say give me one for linkedin give me one for my social media give me one you know, so th those tools already exist in, in earnest so when it looks at the dog you said you use yolo does maybe that comes into play here i'm not sure but when it looks at the dog how does it know that you know how does it verify this is a picture of a dog versus maybe this is a picture of a guinea pig or something like that where where's the line drawn and how does that work so and to be clear the yolo is just to filter out people that upload pictures of their shoe. So we primarily do that to save money on the training part. Um, YOLO is trained with something like 30 or so uh, objects it can recognize the, the version I'm using, I can't remember offhand. And so it's not incredibly thorough, but it is, it does a good job just detecting dog, not dog, mm. basically. it's dog or 29 other things. And so if it doesn't detect at least X percent dogs, each one of the photos has at least one dog in it then we send them to review. So it should be known that like th this particular uh, AI is just a front-end JavaScript uh, sort of tool. It's not doing the training on the back end. So it's a gate that it has to pass in order to get to the training where the, the stable diffusion is. And that's not to be confused with the training. So the training, we pass it two things. We pass it the instance photos. So that's the photos of that specific dog. And we also pass it a class of dog which basically makes it so it's not overtrained. So if I was training a human face, I'd take 10 pictures of my face and pass that as the instance. And then I'd pass in about a hundred other photos of other people that aren't me. So it doesn't overtrain to my face. So we are doing, we are passing in other dog photos uh, when we do the training as well. So if that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was just wondering because I mean, dogs are very different. You have a Chihuahua, you have a wiener dog, and then you have like a great thing, mm -hmm. something like that. Cool. So they're completely different when you, you're trying to recognize it. It's like, well, if it's recognizing a wiener dog as a dog, it's recognizing a great mm -hmm. thing as a dog. Why not a guinea pig or something like that? So that's what I was trying to figure. And it's it's not a particularly, I mean, sophisticated AI. It does mislabel things often, but it's good enough that it stops eighty percent of the 
90% of the garbage images that people were uploading that consumed um, actual resources to train. I will say this. I probably shouldn't, but I will say somebody got some rabbits through once <laughs> and it actually believed they were dogs. So uh, it'd be interesting. <laughs> there, there was something else. I mean, jumping back to prompts for just a second. Uh, there's something that it was really interesting that we learned through this process that you can write the greatest prompt in the world for a dog for an image set. But you give that to 20 or 30 other image sets of varying qualities and you get very, very different outputs. So there was such an iterative process to creating prompts that not just worked really good for one type of dog or one data set, but rendered consistently well across dozens of different data sets of varying qualities and varying types of dogs. And also um, there's certain types of dogs since you know, Matt mentioned there's this set of 700 and something generic dog images to keep from overfitting. But sometimes certain dogs, specifically I've noticed all white dogs sometimes get a little bit of more crossover into that generic dog class and don't always come out fully white. And there's other types of dogs that come through brilliantly, like um, Labrador Retrievers, for example, because it's just a really common sort of size and shape of dog that's really easy to identify. And it helps. So it's two things, the prompts that you guys are writing on the back end that nobody sees. Mm -hmm. And then also the amount of pictures people upload, like the more pictures they upload, the better chances the resulting image. I, I, I would say quality over quantity, quality over quantity. If you give me 10 really good pictures of um, you, you want to upload pictures that positively influence the output. And by that, I mean, you want, you know, proud standing pictures, not derpy laying on your back photos. So if you give me three or four really good headshots from a couple angles, two or three good standing shots and two or three good sitting shots, all from different angles on different backgrounds that are you know, well-cropped and there's not obstructions in them, you will get really, really good output. And another thing to note is that you can overtrain it. If you give it too few images, so say we only gave it four images and they were all very similar, you're not going to get any creativity with the poses there versus if you do, you know, from a couple of different, you know, good angles there, you know, 20 or so, now you're going to get a little bit more variety in the poses you'll see back. And when you, when you, just to go over again, how the workflow works, when a user uploads all these images of their of their dog and then hits submit or whatever the button is, it will. What do you guys spit out exactly? Do you spit out a bunch of different pictures, like examples of like a astronaut or a cowboy or whatever the, the the models that you guys have are trained on? Yeah, if you go through the drawn by AI <laughs> process and you get your photos back, those binary images that we return, I think it's what six of them for nine different inferences. That's everything that it, it exports okay and so right now it, it, it lets you do like what a couple examples for free and then there's a paid version you can see all 54 of the output images with watermarks if you want to remove the watermarks then we we, we ask that you pay for that and what is that what's your pricing model look like right now yeah we're at a uh, 20 us dollars right now for that and 20 us dollars unlimited downloads for that month so yeah. you've got it you know uh, and then, you know, if we, if we end up doing more holiday type stuff in the future, then you'd be obligated to renew if you want more of that stuff. That's very cool. Yeah, people people will do anything for their dogs, for sure. I could see that. And when I saw it, I thought it was, I mean, I just saw some of the generic, you know, like, examples that you had, and they were pretty awesome. I mean, I could see people, like, 
printing them out, putting them on their wall and stuff. Like pretty cool stuff for sure. Physical products is also on the roadmap. There's there's some really good international partner fulfillment partners out there for things like that. Coffee cups, awesome. socks, blankets, stretch canvas. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure. I mean, like one of the things that the problem is with AI is like if someone wants to go and play on mid journey. I mean, my parents don't even know how to copy and paste on their computer. Mm. Like they have to go on Discord, which is hard for even a developer sometimes to learn how to use it. Like mm -hmm. good luck, you know? So I think there's a there's like two different two different um, customers out there for AI. People that just don't want to deal with a tech background at all or any kind of tech. And this fits in a, a great niche for them. So it's easy to go on, go on by AI and just, it's pretty simple compared to going on some discord channel and trying to figure it out because it's not easy. I, I heard somebody who, who is also in generative AI, a very different uh, uh, segment of the space, but um, they explained it is um, their goal is to be the application layer that sits between the model and the user. So instead of, you know, just going into a plain generic, you know, chat GPT box, you would add descriptors and qualifiers outside of that box. I want this to be warm. I want it to be like public relations. I want this style. And then it would apply that those styles and those that texture to the content um, that was being generated. And building off that, like drawn by AI is the one that takes away like all the technical stuff. And on below that is chaos pixel, which takes away any need to know Python or any of that stuff. So there's different levels of abstraction there, depending on how technical you are. And what's, what's again, exactly chaos pixel. It's, I'm that's the engine to... underneath it okay. so if you if you wanted to run stable diffusion but you didn't want to ever touch python code you know you could just you could basically with some api requests some you know basically i can hand you an sdk of some type you can upload the photos then tell it to train a model then forever just say hey i want to uh, this type of you know i want to generate you know something else for this model i want to you know i want these images generated with it so it's someone that's technical but doesn't want to get into machine learning or worry about the internals AWS or how their spend goes, it, it handles all that for them. Got it. And so it's not really a publicly released product, like we don't have like web pages for it, but we're finding that there is somewhat of a demand for that. One question I have is, when you're doing the model, can you clarify exactly what that is? The models, to me, it sounds like from what you're saying, just makes it easy to make pictures of specific things, right? Like an astronaut mm -hmm. or oh. a dog at the Eiffel Tower. So you have a separate model for that. What's the difference between creating a model like that and then actually just putting a prompt in for uh, a dog at the Eiffel Tower? Like, what's the difference? You can think of the the model as the machine and the prompt is the input into the machine. So that model is a specifically trained model that knows your dog. So that when you say, I want the picture of my dog in this scenario, it already knows your dog and the the parent model, the, the the stable diffusion base, knows about the um, the Eiffel Tower and the other things in the background already. So really, you need both in order to achieve anything. One without the other is 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 useless. So as of the moment, places like Midjourney don't let you custom train a model or fine tune is the technical term a model to your face or your dog's face or or another you know something else you want to customize it to. The best you can do is maybe an image to image. And so you upload an image and you tell it, remove something, but it's not actually like that intuitive. It's not like, hey, 
give me a picture of my dog on a beach with a flying a kite, you know, it can't, it, and it wouldn't know your dog's face uh, from that one image. So it creates that extra level of customization that right now we're not seeing in a ton of big tools. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Cause again, back to my examples of using mid journey every day and trying to do something very specific, it takes so long. So it's, it sounds like the, the models take away all that work for you because it's going to know the dog's face exactly what it looks like and it's going to plug it into the image because it knows the size and shape of the dog's face whereas mm -hmm. if you're writing a prompt for that or uploading an image it's sort of in a way guessing um it's not trained on that right away so it takes a huge amount of the workflow out which you can save and use again which is a huge time saver yeah there's no amount of text prompt that you can feed mid-journey that's going to make it know what your dog actually looks like right right right, right. that makes right, sense so. So something we like to ask people in general is just where do you see AI going as like AI in general, where do you see it going in maybe five years, 10 years? Where's all this headed? The, the question alone, I think, is far too broad to answer, right? Because AI is really moving its way into everything. But in that same context, like it, it's a bit of a paradigm shift. Um, AI is going to be incorporated in some way into darn near almost everything. So your search results are going to be AI. Um, you know, the when you go to your inbox and you do a search, it's no longer going to be just a text-based search. It's going to be an artificial intelligence search that's going to more truly understand what you're looking for. It's going to be in customer service. It's going to be in quality control. Um, is it going to drive... Um, millions of people out of work and cause the, the, the chaos. In the short term, no, but over long term, much like the, the mechanical rev, you know, revolution, all of a sudden, you know, within 10 years, people didn't need to buy um, wagon wheels anymore because of the automobile coming along. Things are going to shift. Um, it's going to slim down some areas when people learn how to use it to augment productivity. So it's not going to replace journalism but could it replace uh, half of the proofreading department? Or it's not gonna replace your marketing and advertising team, but is it going to augment it and let it run um, leaner and smoother? Um, absolutely, but um, that's just a couple small areas. It's, it, it's, it's touching on every piece of electronic interface we have is probably gonna be in some way influenced by artificial intelligence in the next five to 10 years. And I totally agree with that, and I'm gonna, jump kind of pivot just slightly but right now as far as a prediction for kind of how the business environment the entrepreneurs chasing this dream right now as we're seeing a ton of people throw a ton of money at this anything with ai in the name you know they're just throwing money at that and that leads me to think that there'll be something of a bubble bursting at some point and the way to survive that is to do it leaner so what i'm seeing right now is people they're like okay i want to boot up this big server that'll run on aw you know on amazon and be able to do all the workloads i need oh no i'm spending an arm and a leg well i'm going to get a discount if i commit to a year out and so they do something like that and they get 25 percent discount because they committed to a year out but then who's using the product you know if you're doing that before you validated the product will even sell and so the only reason we can do what we're doing is because we made it so it could scale up and scale down so anybody out there that's thinking about you know, chasing an entrepreneurial dream with AI, don't <laughs> make sure you can scale down as fast as you can scale up and make sure that you're, you're not breaking the bank on it because that's going to be who weathers the storm at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, I think there's definitely going to be a bubble pop here, maybe next year or who knows when, but it's going to happen at some, some point or the other. And most of these people, like, for example, we write an AI newsletter. This probably 
a thousand of them out there. So that's what I think about all the time. Like, how are we going to weather the storm when things get bad? Because um, they probably will at some point or the other. But schematicals are probably can help people like, you know, out there that don't that want to save the cost. Because, they, you know, if you go on Amazon and try to do it yourself, you're going to spend a ton of money um, just training yourself to figure out how to do it in the first place. Or even if you're a developer, like I'm a developer, but I hate going on Amazon and figuring that kind of stuff out. So schematical could help uh, people like this that. This is as where well. this is, you know, this is, you know, there's an entire field of ML ops dedicated to just this and uh, CI/CD pipelines. And you know, this this really goes to show that there's such a a, a specialization between, even more so, I'd say, in data science machine learning. It used to be the separation between the developer and the infrastructure, right, and how to go from one to the other. But even now, looking at the machine learning pipeline, you've got four to six different specialties that are completely um, different skill sets along that pipeline from, you know, on the theoretical side and the model development side, you know, math, statistics, linear algebra to, you know, to Matt's end of it, the ML ops to where it really touches machine. And you've got the whole application, machine learning, training, feedback loop in there as well, all different skill sets. I appreciate the kind of shout out there, but I will say that I've open sourced pretty much the the entire, like an entire GPU running on batch, run PyTorch, run Dream Booth, all that stuff I've open sourced uh, into Terraform scripts. So that's, if you're not familiar with Terraform, you basically can run Terraform apply and it will boot that up inside your AWS account and it will run and it's designed to scale down, like I said, and scale back up. So that's out there for free. If anybody wants it, if it'll help you, you know, rising tide, raise all ships. So um, I, I'm, I, you know, if you have questions about it, come find me and I'm, I'm on discord all the time. But other than that, no, I'm, I, I'm trying to offer something up to the people because I, I am a firm believer that, you know, the more people we can help, um, you know, not break the bank with these ideas, the more interesting innovations we're going to have in five years, you know, but if you, if you, if you say screw AI, cause I can't figure out how to afford it, then, then that stifles, you know, all of our creativity. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Some people could get a bad taste in their mouth if they try to start a business, spend thousands of dollars and lose all their money. They're never going to come back. So what what is that? Are those scripts on GitHub? Or are they um, yep. where are those located? GitHub.com slash schematical slash sc dash terraform. <laughs> okay, awesome. I'll, I'll give you a show link. It's also I mean it's all, they're all over schematical.com. So just okay. go there first, I guess. But yeah, and it's I should note like this isn't like it will scale, but this is definitely designed for the scrappy smaller startup, you know, one to five people type thing. So it's it's simplified more so than if you had millions of dollars to throw. And, at, and you were, you know, had academics just falling off the walls, then that would be a different setup. This one's designed for the scrappy entrepreneurs. Right. It's, you know, not redundant data centers, not failovers, things like that, that a, a, a seven digit production system would have to have. Speaking of tech stacks, what's the tech stack behind drawn by drawn by AI? Like what what code do you use? I'm sure like where's a hosted things like that. Node.js. We're using the serverless framework. Uh, it's hosted the most of the web interactions you get are hosted. I should like aim it here are hosted on Lambda via the API gateway there. So it's actually this bottom stack down cool. here. Um, we're not using ECS yet because that's like an always on system. If you use ECS or it can auto scale, but we're, we're saving a lot of money just doing the lambdas, the bigger stuff that pumps it into. So once you finish uploading your pictures to S3 there. It then pumps an event into Kinesis. Kinesis then puts that out to a worker, which then 
you know, consumes that, pushes that into an AWS batch queue. And AWS batch is where um, they manage just one-off jobs. So if I just, just one training job or one, I want to generate this, that boots up if there's not already one running because it's warm, you know, because if you've got a whole stack of things, we just keep EC2 instances on for it and it just eats through it. That finishes off. And when it's done, it puts out an event back to Kinesis, which then sends the email out or it fires off a Lambda, which then sends out the email saying, hey, great, your stuff is ready. So uh, that's the long and short of it. I mean, what made you get into uh, learning about Amazon products so much, like their tech stack? And 2010 was the first, I was, I was just a general developer for a startup and wow. they needed someone to migrate their tech to AWS because they were on the old school, you buy a server and you go to a server farm and you put it in and hope no one you know trips over it. And I've just been in it ever since. I. Okay. It's something that excels with me. I don't. I. 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 I can. I live in this stuff. I close my eyes and I almost touch. You know, kinesis. So this, this. I don't know. It's just the way my brain works. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's a gigantic time saver if you can dig in and figure stuff out like that. So yeah. we'll say it's not bad because it's it's a skill that's in demand. So it's another yeah. thing. Well, there's so many companies built on top of like Oz products as well. Like for example, like all the you know back to the email newsletter. We use Beehive and they send out emails every day. I'm sure they use. What's the email system for Aussie and S S or SQS or something like that? Or SES is an AWS is one simple email service. So I'm sure they're using that or some Google product or something. So there, S yeah, I see it. S SNS is simple notification service. If you wanted to send your phone notification to stuff, somewhere in here I've got SES. I think it's down there, but. <laughs> but there's a tool for everything, pretty much, is the, mm -hmm, the, the mm -hmm. whole of the story. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing ecosystem by itself, yeah. It's kind of a funny story is that's a double-edged sword, because every time I think it's like, oh, I've got an idea for something that Amazon hasn't done yet, then I start building it, and then they come out with a service that does it next week, and I'm like, nice. Oh, right. uh, schematical, where do you where do you envision, like, what, what are you looking for the next couple of years down the road? Are you looking to build schematical or or do a project like Drawn by AI and focus on that, or what's your outlook? Goals. I would love to, to build more scalable products. Um, the consulting business, I went through a big change this year. I don't do any more hourly work. And so I, I mainly advise and oversee uh, clients uh, and, and train their team. So their teams get trained to do this stuff, not just me. Otherwise, you know, then there's a limit to how much I can help. But if I train up other people, again, rising tides, uh, they, they can do better. So that's actually, since I've made that change, it's given me more time to work on other projects. So I, I intend to continue to launch projects like this. I, you know, until it, it's not fun anymore. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm probably going to consult quite a bit still, but it's no longer, you know, you're not, you know, I'm not because I changed the model. I'm not sitting there like, Oh, I got to squeeze every hour out of this one. It's like, okay, like what's, what's best for the client. Cool. All right, everybody's trained, everybody's working good. All right, I'm off to the next thing, you know? And they'll just give you a call if they need help at, at that point. Yeah, I do office hours, so there's set times when they can, but if they need help in between, I answer the phone, but typically at least they know when to come at me with problems. Don't get me started on uh, consulting, pricing and all this stuff. I could do a whole other podcast on that. <laughs> I, I have we'll cut it off from there. specific thoughts there. <laughs> but is this your full-time gig pretty much? Oh yeah, no, I, uh, the only income I've got is from schematical.com and uh, honestly, I think we're still in the red on drawn by right now. So, um, I'm glad the consulting stuff's there. Well, the, I mean, that's one thing that is the hardest part of anything is like, you have the greatest pro you have the greatest idea and even implement it, but if you don't have the marketing behind it, it's tough. I mean, it's hard to get customers. I mean, we're, 
we have, pro- you know, it's hard to get email subscribers or with any business. So that's, uh, it's like, that's half the business right there, get, gaining your customers, but it will have like, it will grow. You just got to stick with it. You know, no, there's been good and steady traffic. And, you know, every once in a while we, we see a spike, like we saw when you guys hit us up the other day and, I just remember my phone blowing up going, okay, who's doing something? And then I started, you know, looking at the referral URLs and I pretty quickly tracked it down. Well, that's the beautiful thing about the way we design this thing is even if we don't have customers for, say, a month, the, the system just spins itself down and doesn't cost me anything. So it's we can sit here damn near forever and and wait for customers. So it keeps us in the game longer, you know? That's awesome. So the, what's the base cost? Like if no customers come, what do you have to do? Pay for like an EC2 instance at the bare minimum or like storage? No, we're not even paying for an EC2 instance. If they don't put anything in, the lambdas don't invoke, the, you know, no EC2 instance boots up. All I've got is storage costs. But if, you know, if you don't come back and sign up, I'll delete, you know, we can just delete the models. We don't, we don't need four gigabytes of models costing. Uh, forgive it. I just did the math on all this too, but yeah, no, so that's, that's it. There's a little bit for VPC that's always on, but that's also running my other stuff. So schematical.com, which is generating paying the bills. So, you know, it's, it's costs covered by that. Well, you know, we asked you a question, what you thought about where AI is headed in the future. Also, there's all these like doomsday scenarios. What do you think about AI taking over the world and (laughs) ending humanity? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Is that, you think that's real? Is that going to happen eventually? Uh, what do you guys think? I, I I could see something dystopian happening at some point, depending upon how loose the guardrails get around AI and decision making. Um, I mean, AI is going to continue to get smart. Um, deep fakes are becoming less distinguishable all the time. Um, do I think it's going to happen? Do I no? But could I imagine scenarios where it does? Yeah, I think so. Whether it's direct actions, meaning the the AI itself gets access to whatever it's looking to get access to, or it finds a way to manipulate people to get it where it wants to go. And that's where I was mentioning that the deep fakes are coming out. So could AI be smart enough to deep fake a person to encourage something to happen? The scenario exists, yes. My concerns are less with like Terminator type scenarios and more with the concept of AI girlfriends or significant others. Uh, and the fact that the, that the rise in popularity there scares me a little bit for how distance people have already become over the last few years. I mean, everybody's used to doing everything over screens already, you know, and so you've, you've got the concept of that your only human interactions, your most intimate human interactions are with a being that is completely virtual, things like that. That scares me a little bit more. I think that could have a greater effect than we would contemplate, you know, was we're, we're, we've got the survival instinct to not let, you know, the the computers you know march down the street and kick our butts but do we you know slowly over time do do people get lonely and do weird stuff with that so i don't know it's that's it's a little bit more depressing blade runner blade runner or an episode of futurama with lucy lou yeah it's funny because a lot of the developers that we've sat down with say something similar that this is the direction that ai is going uh some sort of ai companion ai friends why hang out with somebody who is maybe going to stab you in the back? Maybe, you know, isn't going to be a good friend when you can hang out with the perfect friend, one that you get to create, that one that 
is interested in you all the time, one that listens all the time, one that knows everything about what you're interested in. I mean, there's something to that uh, that's comforting for people to know that somebody's always going to be there. And so that can be dangerous. I mean, there's also creations of like people who have passed away and now, or, or we actually featured a tool one time that was an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend. You uploaded all the texts from your previous conversations, and then you got to continue to date them uh, based on like an AI predictive, like of what they'd say. They'd, they'd keep the names and stuff. So it's like, hold on a second. Like there's something missing from like moving on from relationships or like reconciling differences. So that could be an issue. I see that as an issue as well. Yeah. I would like to know the stats for that product of how many of those uh, users eventually became, got arrested for some type of domestic situation. <laughs> yeah. They, they show up to their ex-girlfriend's house and be like, well, you're texting me that you love me again. You know, I got to come back. It's an episode of Black Mirror right there. Yeah. But it, it is an interesting wild world we're living in. Just, I mean, it, it has the, the potential to do so many good things, but it also has the potential to do bad things. But it also... I mean, kind of the the point Matt was talking about. It also has the potential to make us, perhaps, all just a bit numb. You know, if, if, if that perfect friend that never starts a fight, that never does anything, does that just make you numb because they're never going to do anything wrong or unexpected or or particularly caring or um, things that make human human? Right. So it's almost like AI is make it's going to make things so easy that it, you're not going to challenge yourself where you need to be challenged like a human in, in anything, relationships, writing, math, whatever it might be, you know, but we'll see. It's possible. But I'm going to I'll throw out another analogy I use is that when we first got electricity, I'm sure there were some guys in cabins that, you know, out in the woods were just like the heck with that. Like I can. I'll go out and chop down a tree and start a fire, you know, I, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, indoor plumbing, that's another example. I don't need indoor plumbing. I'm glad we have indoor plumbing right now, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, does it make us weaker perhaps, but does it also give us time, free us up to focus on bigger things? So many of us, uh, you know, are, are out there just struggling to get by and this could, you know, enable, give us more free time to create in ways that we couldn't previously. So I'm, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I want to go that way. Cause I did go kind of bleak there for a minute. So it's got, it could go either way. I mean, do you think there's going to be, there's going to be like a, like a, uh, like a, a split at some point where there's going to be like sex, almost like the Amish where they just sort of disavow anything AI and think it's evil and not touch it. Are you going to know you're touching it? Are you going to know you're touching it? That's true. Yeah. You have to like, you have to basically get off the entire electric grid to not, to, to know that you're not touching it. And you know, your point, Matt, like, I think there's a big difference though, between something as something like electricity that makes such a massive global lift. And is AI going to be something that's highly utility-like, like electricity, or is it going to be, become something more like Instagram? where it does not perhaps greatly contribute. So it's neither one of those examples is a good example, but one of those is a, you know, electricity pushes, uh, uh, <clears throat> pushes humanity ahead. Instagram and social media arguable to see what the benefits to society that those tools are. So I think it just all depends on the implementations. I don't want to change the subject. We want to take a step back here. This is totally random, but I was, uh, 
you said, you know, will there be different sex? I was just curious, is there Amish people in the matrix and they're plugged in? They don't know they're plugged in. Like, I kind of want to go ask the the authors of the matrix. I'm like, what, 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 where does that stand in this platform? Sorry, totally random there, but that's all right. It's, it's cool to talk about this kind of stuff. It's like, sometimes you gotta be high on drugs to <laughs> talk about it, but, um, not that I do that, but yeah, we live, I live by Amish country. Like one, I think it's the biggest, largest Amish population in the entire U S it's like an hour South of me in Cleveland. Um, and it's interesting going down there cause it's just a whole different world. Even just speaking with them, they, they talk different, they act different. I love the Amish because it's so different from the world I'm from, but, um, yeah, maybe they're, maybe they're all just some NPCs from, uh, the matrix somehow now, kevin keely the founder of i think it's keely the founder of wired magazine had a really interesting take on the amish um you know he says they're some of the best hackers ever because they can't have electricity in the home but what they end up setting up is pneumatics there's nothing against pneumatics so you'll see these guys with like pneumatic sewing machines and things like that so uh really interesting if you ever get a chance to read kevin keely's take on that okay is, is that was that an article you said or a book actually i think that was a podcast he did with tim ferris on the four hour i guess the tim ferris show probably years ago but still a fascinating podcast yeah, they are definitely incredibly ingenuitive, like in anything. They built our house, my house, and you just see the stuff they do. They they don't follow. It's like their brain isn't wired to follow the rules that society tells them to follow. So they come up with their own things by themselves, which is cool to see in action. But yeah, I'll have to check that article out. You just explained me to myself somehow. I understand myself better now. <laughs> <laughs> You're Amish, Dami. You didn't yeah, I, I must be Amish. Absolutely. No, I just, yeah, played right. by my rules and it takes me interesting places. Now's the point to promote anything you guys want. Links, we know drawn by AI, but anything else you want to put out there, um, we'll, we'll be sure to include them in the uh, in the comments too. If you're looking for amazing ways to see your dog in an entirely new light, um, you know, we've got a little tagline. It's your dog drawn by AI. So it costs nothing to try it out. Um, We'd love to see you come by. And if you chat into the little chat box in the bottom right corner, um, that ends up on my phone. So you are actually talking to a person. There is no artificial intelligence whatsoever in our chat box or our email responses. And uh, if you need help scaling your AI solution, you've got a you know product that you're trying to get out there and it's costing you an arm and a leg or you can't figure out how to host it at scale, uh, hit me up at schematical.com. It does not just need to be stable diffusion. I can run pretty much anything PyTorch in there, and I'm sure I could figure out how to slide in a few other things. So uh, I've done some LLM work, uh, but yeah. Uh, and there's, again, scripts are available for free. Go to schematical.com and go to the free section and uh, have at it. Awesome. One one thing I just want to clarify, Matt, because there's a lot of startups out there, a lot of people in AI that want to do a startup. You can help them with their general backend architecture. That it, it, that's something that you do as well. Yeah, I, I can. If you're having trouble with that scale, I'd be happy to talk to you as well. Um, but AI seems so much more hot right now. Everybody's got an AI tool. But yeah, I'm happy to talk to you either way. And then uh, subscribe to Ryan and I's newsletter. We've got uh, weekday updates, uh, Monday through Friday. We have the top stories of the day. We have the top AI tools of the day including tools like drawn by AI that's drawn by dot AI and get to it. Uh, but we have the hottest tools, the hottest stories, uh, some community engagement too. We just included this mystery link, which is a new AI link that you can click on. It takes you to some cool thing within AI. Sometimes it's a tool, sometimes it's a video, sometimes it's something new, sometimes it's something just off the wall, but we get the mystery link going on right now. 
and uh, some other cool stuff brewing. Uh, but just <laughs>